I want you to clap your hands right now and give a real good Lakeside Metro Detroit welcome, Joe Odin. God bless you, Joe. Hey, thank you so much. You can be seated. What an honor it is to be with you guys tonight. Thank you so much, Pastor Phil, for opening your heart and your church and your pulpit to our ministry tonight. Uh, I come to you by way of Dallas, Texas, but I'm originally from, some people call it a mission field, others call it a foreign nation. I call it Alabama, (laughs) home of the Crimson Tide. Me and your good friend was at the uh, Alabama-Michigan game in, in 2011, and Pastor, still and Pastor Phil this before, he said, you can't bring that up. You can't bring how Alabama beat Michigan 42-14 to 14 in that game. So, so I'm not going to do it, okay, I promise, because I know we've got a lot of Wolverines probably. Any Wolverines in here? All right, all right, good, good. Spartans. Oh, I remember them. We, I was at that game too, the Spartans. We played them in the Cotton Bowl in 2015, 38-0. They, they, so the Wolf, I got both. I, I, everybody's on my side now, winning friends and influencing people. How many of you know you don't have to have your suit just right and your tie just right and read from a certain version of the Bible for God to hear your prayer? How many of you know you can be headed the wrong way with the wrong people and God still hear everything that you say to him? Wasn't always saved. I was a drug addict, addicted to drugs and alcohol and everything that goes along with that lifestyle. And one night I was doing a drug called LSD. Now, LSD is not approved by the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. And this particular night I'd taken a bit too much of it, and I was on really what appeared to be an overdose. I was very frightened. I was contemplating going to the emergency room. I went home really early that night. It was early for me, about midnight. I got home and I sat down in the chair and I I really was on the verge of going to the hospital and I just started flipping through the channels with nervous energy and you know what I'm talking about, just boom, boom, boom right through the channels and I stopped on an unusual station that you normally wouldn't frequent on LSD, TBN. How many of you know that's a wild combination? There was pink hair on the platform, and I thought I found the 70s psychedelic channel, man. I mean, and it was like seven pounds of it. And, and, uh, and I just stopped for a brief second. There was a man preaching by the name of Jeff Finholt. He was the ex-singer for the group uh, that Ozzy Osbourne started. He took the group right after Ozzy. And, and I'm telling you, I wouldn't have stopped long on that station. It was literally, I stopped, I looked. He points his finger in the camera. And he said, there's some young people that are watching this program and you're hooked on drugs. You're in a deep, dark cave of drug addiction. But I have good news for you. Jesus Christ is in the cave with you. And he's going to bring you out of the cave. He's going to liberate you and set you free. And you will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ around the United States of America. When he said that, the power of God hit me in that lazy boy chair. And I was instantaneously sobered off of LSD. Now, I'd love to say at that moment, heaven opened up and gold dust fell on me and and Elijah and Moses dropped in and we tabernacled. But that's not what happened. I continue to do drugs. I continue to deal drugs. I began to run stronger in the wrong direction than I'd ever had in my life. But something happened to me that night. I had an encounter. Everybody say encounter. You see, I want to talk. How, how many, let, let me ask you a question. How many parents or 
aunts and uncles or grandparents do we have in the room right now where there was a time and moment where you know your son was touched by the power of God, where you know that your granddaughter was touched by the presence. Maybe she gave her life to Christ at one time, but their life is an antithesis to the gospel now. Nothing in the outward appearance looks like they care in any shape, form, or fashion for God. But you know they've had an encounter. Just wave your hand at me. I, I want to encourage you right now that I had an encounter with God and I began to go stronger in the wrong direction. But what happened to me that night was irreversible. It could not be washed off. It wasn't like a stain on a shirt. It stuck deep down on the inside of me. And I began to do two things that were unusual. The first thing is I began to prophesy. You say, well, Joe, you were on drugs and you were a drug dealer. Yeah, I would, I would prophesy high as a kite on a Saturday night about midnight was normally my times that I would do it. Strung out, dope in my pocket. And I would say this, one day real soon, I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ around the United States of America. I was prophetically shaping the destiny of my life, still bound by hell, death, and the grave. And the second thing I would do is every night before I'd go to bed, I'd pray that God would get me in church. I didn't know what to pray. I wasn't raised in a Pentecostal church, but I'd pray, God, get me in church. Help me get in church every night before I'd go to bed. And then one night I was in Gulf Shores, Alabama, and uh, spring break, and I was highly intoxicated, and I had a bright idea. How many of you have ever met a drunk guy with a bright idea? I thought, I'm going to give the California wave to the guy next to me. And uh, he might think it's funny, he might not, but he definitely didn't think it was funny. They chased us down, and uh, I got out of the car, and one bright idea was followed by a second. You ever met that guy before? They're just rolling with them. I thought, I'm going to get out of the car with my beer bottle, and this guy's going to step out. I'm going to pop him in the head. We're going to get back in the car and continue to party. Point number one, we pulled over. Point number two was working pretty good. I got out of the car. Point number three, I had my bottle. And then I shared a few choice words with this undercover police officer and uh, told him to get out of the car. And I believe that's what he was. And about that time, all the police from Gulf Shores, Alabama, showed up out of nowhere, like Philip the Evangelist. They just manifested. And they wrote a song about me right after that. It goes something like this. I fought the law. Every one of you that knew that song are going to hell. Okay? We got it on video. Pastor Phil's going to be going through that tomorrow in staff meeting. And so I fought the law. The law won. I went straight to jail. And I'm in at a jail. And I, and I, and I had this judge in southern Alabama, Baldwin County. And the last time he put me in jail, he put me in for a year. But he let me out much earlier. And when he did, he's going over my probation. He said, you got to go to AA. You got to go to NA. How many of you have ever been to AA or NA? Just be real with me right now. Look at these hands. You're no longer anonymous. So I had to go to AA, had to go to NA. And as he's going over my probation, then he says this. It blew my mind. He said, and you have to go to church every Sunday and get the bulletin signed by a pastor or I'm going to put you in jail for a year. How many of you know God answers prayer in mysterious ways? While I was a reprobate, anti-God, God listened to my finite prayer, sent a judge into my life, and sanctioned a year of jail over my head if I didn't go to church every Sunday. How many of you know Joe Oden had fresh motivation to go to church? 
I found this little church in, in southern Alabama to go to, Little Assembly of God Church. We had uh, Sunday nights still at that time, and I'd stay out partying on Saturday nights, but I'd go on Sunday nights. And I remember walking in the church that night and going up to the pastor at the end of the service and saying, Pastor, uh, my name is Joe Oden, and I need to talk to you for a couple of minutes. Um, I've been court-ordered by the law to go to church. I've been a drug addict and a drug dealer, and man, some of the girls in the youth group are pretty cute. I'd like to, to introduce me to them. And, uh, and I need you to uh, sign my bulletin every Sunday, or I'm going to get put in jail for a year, and if you don't sign it, I'm going to blow your car up. I, I didn't say the last part. And so every Sunday I'm getting the bulletin signed by the pastor week after week after week, And about six months into my church sentence, some places it would be a sentence. Amen. Jail would be more plausible, but I'm not going to go there. Six months into my church sentence, I walked into the church and something different was in the atmosphere. I didn't know Christianese. I didn't know how to say, brother, I feel the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. and the." I didn't know how to talk like that. There was a team from the Brownsville Revival. This was in 1997. How many of you remember Touched By in some form, maybe CD, DVD, had a chance to go to the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida, several of you? And and his name was Bob Gladstone. And I want to tell you, when he began to speak, I didn't know the language of the man has a fresh anointing or a baptism of fire on his life. I was like, dude, there's a vibe in the house, you know, like a new age lingo. And so he's talking And I hadn't taken any LSD that day, and I'm having opened-eyed visions of the things of God. And uh, he he, he ministers, and he gets to the end, and he says, you've got to run to the altar and give your life to Christ. Well, I remember I jumped up, and I ran as fast as I could, and I slid down at the altar, and I began to repent of my sins. I mean, I repented for kicking the dog when I was seven. Everything that I could think of, I asked God to forgive me of. And for the first time in my life... On April the 27th, 1997, I stood up washed in the blood of Jesus Christ clean. And Bob Gladstone, he walks. Now, now what was about to happen, it didn't happen in my church and it never happened to me and I didn't know how to respond. So there was no, uh, there was nothing wrote here. He looks at me. And he said, what do you need from God? Well, I didn't know exactly what to say, and I wanted to sound uh, halfway spiritual. uh, So I just said, I'd like to get filled with the Holy Ghost. I did not understand the theological ramifications behind my request. I want to tell you, when he laid his hand gently on my head, the next thing I know, I'm flying in the air under the power of God, laying flat on my back. Now, that had never happened to me before in my entire life, and it didn't happen in my church. And I remember hitting the floor, and I looked up to God, and I said this, Lord, that was like I just smoked a good joint. Man, are some of you guys on a prune juice fast? I'm getting some crazy looks right now. Honey, did that boy just talk about the manifestation of the Holy Ghost with cannabis, the stuff that they sell in Colorado that's legal, that's frying them kids? Yeah, that's what I said. And you see, Jesus wasn't tripping out about it. Would be to God, this church would be full of people tonight that smoke dope and do LSD and shoot heroin. Oh, it's a little too quiet. It would be to God, this place tonight would be filled with people that are bound by hell, death, and the grave. 
The church isn't for those that, that don't, that have a doctor, for those that don't. Amen? And so, so I, I, I was just, I was totally high. And I got up, and I'm like, God, this is like the stuff from Columbia, the really good stuff. I mean, I was just getting higher and higher and higher. And the glory of God, a, sh- a mist began to come up out of the floor. And I remember I sat on the altar. I wasn't leaving. And I looked up to God and I said, Jesus, if my friends that are hooked on drugs right now could feel this power that's running through my body, they'd get born again. I said, Jesus, my life for the gospel. I walked in that night bound by hell, death, and the grave. I walked out set free, baptized in fire, called to be an evangelist. I, I went to work. I went to work the week before going to hell. I went to week. I went to work the next week telling everybody they were going to hell. How many of you know that's not the most fe- effective form of evangelism? And then I'd go to the revival and evangelist Steve Hill would tell you about 7,404 ways in one night, ways you could go to hell for. And so that was my first vocabulary word as a Christian was hell. And the, my second one was Dr. Michael Brown. He would lay hands on your head and yell fire real loud. So that's how I thought you had to pray for people. The first thing you do is you condemn somebody to hell with the worm that never dies. And then you lay hands on their head and yell fire real loud. So I went to, I'd go to the mall. You know, and I had that real love of God stare, you know. Like God loves you, but he's looking for somebody to send to hell. He's kind of bored today. He sent me to find somebody. And, you, you know, nobody from my church will go do evangelism with me. You know, I mean, it was a shame because, I mean, I danced to I'll Fly Away with a lady playing the organ that couldn't sing. I mean, I got saved. And so... I, I, I remember I'd go to the mall and I had tracks. I found this, that's what I was, I've written my own personal track and I was looking for one of them. I've given them all out since I've been here, I think. And, uh, and I found this track. I don't, I, I wrote my personal ones. I don't give ones out like this anymore, but I found one with a good visual effect. This guy falling into hell like this. I mean, he was screaming, fire was on him, you know, and I thought this would be a good visual, you know, uh, reference point. And I'd take, and I'd take it and I'd stick it in people's face in the mall. I'd just walk up to them with the love of God stare. And I'd stick my track in their face like this and say, Hey, my name's Joe Oden. If you died right now, would you go to heaven or hell? Tell me. This guy looked at me and said, I'm a Baptist. <laughs> he was telling the truth. You know, there's five million people that live in Alabama and 5.5 million of them are registered Baptist. <laughs> Then I began to look for something to bust them on. One of them 7,404 ways you could go to hell for. And I spotted some nicotine products. Old Jimmy Swaggart would have been proud, man. He'd have went off. And I remember I took my bony finger and I stuck it in his face and I said something like this. I don't care if you're a Baptist. You're going to go straight to hell for those devil sticks. You smoke in your car now, you're going to smoke in hell forever. Your eyes are going to smoke. Your head's going to smoke. You're going to smoke day after day after day. You're going to hell, man. 
He looked at me like I was loco. He's like, what in the world is this guy, man? My Baptist preacher don't go, he smokes with me, you know, he doesn't do this. And then I said, can I pray for you? He thought I was going to go back with Grandma at the Tuesday night prayer meeting at 7 o'clock. He didn't know I was going to smack him right in the head in front of everybody and yell fire real loud. Trip that dude totally out, man. He probably thought I was trying to send him to hell. I don't know what the guy thought. I'm yelling fire. They didn't do that at the Baptist church. And Jesus is looking over the balcony of heaven, you know, check this dude out. Gabriel and Michael's like, should we stop him, Jesus? Jesus says, no, no, let's watch this. This is quite amusing. <laughs> been trying to get Jack to quit smoking for 10 years. Been dealing with him, man. Joe just tells him it's going to hell, man. This is getting the job done tonight. So I began to read the Bible. You know, where do you start? Who knows, man? You saved a few days. Where do you start? It's a thick book. Started in the middle. Psalms. Got to Psalm 133, where they took oil and they poured it over Aaron from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. I thought, glory to God, I've got a new evangelistic strategy. (laughs) Can't make this up. Holy Spirit was in there like the Holy Spirit. I wanted more of the Holy Spirit, so let's go get some oil. So we went to Albertson's. We didn't get the little miniature size, you know, the little dab on your head. No, that wouldn't have done. I got the jumbo size. Size you get the turkey ready for on Thanksgiving. We prayed over it, believed God. It's about midnight one night. We uncorked it and I stuck it up over my friend's head and it began to make a noise like this. Badoop. He got about eight badoops. I got eight badoops. We had oil from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, just like Aaron. We were biblically in tune. So where did we go? Walmart. It's midnight. We had a glow-in-the-dark anointing. I mean, we were shining in the pale moonlight. Our fat rolls looked like muscles. We walked into Walmart like we'd been on a methamphetamine binge for seven days. Our eyes are wide open. Yellow stuff is dripping off behind us. Looked like our Depends had split wide open on aisle seven. Can't make it up. This guy walks over to me, said, excuse me, sir. He said, I don't mean to be a smart aleck, but he said, what is that in your hair? He said, have you been running? I took about three Bishop T.D. Jake steps back. I said, get ready, get ready, get ready. It's not... I've been running as you suppose, but it's the anointing all of God, and I've come to preach you the gospel. Trip that dude out, man. He ran out of Walmart screaming, man. He, he took off. He's the new CEO of Target, and Jesus was looking over the balcony of heaven, and Gabriel and Michael's like, we gotta stop him, Jesus. He's a redneck from Alabama. He's got a 12-gauge shotgun. He's got rifles and bow and arrows and knives. He's going to keep reading the Bible where Peter cut the guy's ear off and bring people to him. we got to stop him. Jesus said, no, I like him. I, I really like him. They said, why do you like him? And he said, Gabriel, if you didn't DVR that old deal, man, I'm putting Michael on the job. That was hilarious. They said, why do you like him, Jesus? He said, it's really simple. Because... He's available. Everybody say available. It's not about how good you can preach. 
how well you can communicate, how long you've been saved, how charismatic you are, how, how you present yourself. It is the, the Bible says in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Not your delivery, not how long you've been saved, not how gifted or talented you are. If it were about any of that, then Jesus would not have needed to die. The power is in the communication out of your mouth, being available to flat, just tell somebody about Jesus. That's the mission. So I went on to Bible school and everybody was happy with that, especially my pastor. I mean, got to fix this boy. I, I don't know what to do with him. To Brownsville, then I went to be a missionary for a couple of years. At Brownsville, you felt like if you didn't become a missionary, you was going to hell, you know. So I had to go, go be a missionary for a couple of years. Went to Thailand, messed with a lot of Buddhists and monks, had a great time doing that. Then went to Europe for a while. Oxford University, they loved me, you know, talking politics, President Bush and Jesus. They really liked that in England. It was a real, real, real warm towards me. Then I came back to America. How many of you know that America is not the great gospel enterprise any longer? That we need a move of God in this nation. In, 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 in a, in some kind of way. <clears throat> and, and I, I was back and I was sitting in a McAllister sandwich shop. Anybody ever been to McAllister's? Y'all got those up here, a few of you. They're really delicious. They got a chicken and club sandwich. It's really, really good. And I'm sitting there waiting on my sandwich. And about that time, two girls walked in with them old shorty shorts on. You know what I'm talking about? Them shorts, those ladies, they, they, uh, they put, they, they must have put their shorts in the dryer too long or something. Didn't realize they was that short. And I said, God, I'm going to tell these girls they're going to hell for those shorts. He said, don't, Joe. Shut up, man. But while I'm on the subject, the Bible does say that women should dress in a holy and modest way. Listen to how quiet it got. I must, I won't say that. The Bible doesn't say that women should dress in a holy and modest way. Unless it's 95 degrees outside and they want to run around in a two-piece bikini in front of a bunch of guys they've never met in their life. Wow, it got quiet in this Episcopalian church. I'm talking about modesty. Well, bless God, if, if they're going to look, they just need to turn their head. I've got a right to wear my bikini that's skimpy in front of everybody, and Jesus is okay with it. No, he's not, because if you really love people, you would do nothing to cause them to stumble. The apostle Paul said, I won't even eat meat if it's going to cause somebody to stumble. Jesus renunciated every right that he had and came as a slave to serve his fellow man. Are you listening to me? I'm talking about flat modesty, right? right now. And and they've come out with a new invention for men. Many people have never heard of it. It's called a belt. Keeps the pants up. Okay, I'm good. I'll move on. Everybody said amen to that. Everybody wants to see your fruit of balloons, man. I promise. So I'm sitting in a restaurant not too long after that. And the Lord said, I want you to stand up and preach. The last part of it, the Lord said, don't tell them they're going to hell. 
here's what you can do. You can ask them if there's anybody sick, addicted, or depressed. You tell them, I'll set them free. So I'm sitting in a restaurant, and the Lord said, I want you to stand up and shout that real loud. I said, Lord, the manager hadn't invited me to speak at the old Charlie's establishment. He said, I want you to do it. So I jumped up. I said, excuse me, everybody, I've got an announcement to make. You better be fast, man, because they don't know if you're the Al-Qaeda operative or from ISIS. They're going for the CHL, you know. And I said, if there's anybody here sick, addicted, or depressed, I serve Jesus Christ, and he'll set you free right now. I sat back down. Let me tell you what happened. Ready? Nothing. Nada. I'm sitting there going, man. Jesus, are you getting me back for the old deal? What's, what's going on? You told me to do that. And then he gave me part number two. How many of you would be fired up for part number two if part number one was a flop? He gave me a wild word. Everybody say wild word. He said, your waitress is in sexual sin with her boyfriend. When she comes back to your table, rebuke her. That's exactly what I did. And I said, no. I said, you tell her, Jesus. I said, I'm not going to tell her that. You tell her and I'll pray for her. And I'll leave her a nice tip. No, he said, you tell her. So we argued about it. He won. She comes back to my table. How do you bring that up, Pastor Phil? How do you bring that? They didn't teach me that at Brownsville. And so she comes back to my table and I said, uh, Ma'am, what would Jesus say to you if he walked up to you right now? She said, he'd ask me for a glass of sweet tea. And then I knew she was going to hell because Jesus drinks Dr. Pepper. He don't drink sweet tea. Right? And, And so I said, or he might say, you're living in a sexually immoral, unclean relationship with your boyfriend right now. And after you say that, you cannot, like, change it. Like, no, I, I mean, I wanted my steak well done and not medium rare. I mean, it's out there. And when I said that, she got on her knees, and she began to weep under the power of God. She got right with Jesus in front of everybody. I talked to her up to a year later. She was in church every Sunday morning and Sunday night. Why? Because I'm available. Not because I'm a good preacher or because I'm charismatic or because I know the word of God real well. Because I'm available and God wants you to be. God wants your household to be. God wants this church to be available. I I love to go. I'm going to share. This is my introduction. Pastor said the guy preached till 10 o'clock last night. I'm not going to let him go longer than me, bro. I'm going to 1030. Bless God. He's not going to preach longer than me. Everybody said, y'all are lying right now. Going to hell. It's two strikes, three and you're out. Anybody preach till 10, man, you got to have something to say for two and a half hours. Woo. I like to go to Barnes and Noble. I like Barnes and Noble. No, you don't like it. You don't like it? You do like it. You do, okay. I like to go, they got a great section for Christians to witness in. It's called the witchcraft section. I love to go there, honest to God. Every time I go to Barnes and Noble, if I got to get a coffee, 
a gift, a book, before I leave witchcraft section time. I'm looking for a witch. Because I read a verse. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And that verse is real. It's reality. So I'm in the witchcraft section on a Friday night praying for a witch. I mean, I'm serious. God, send me a witch, Lord, please. Send me somebody full of the devil with demons, Lord. Send me a demonized person in this section right now, God. And this guy, as I'm praying, walks in the section. So I walked over, and he's looking, he's scoping the books, man. So I walked over to him real inconspicuously, (laughs) sneaking up beside him. And I said, hey, is there any power in these books? He said, oh, yeah. He gave me a long, drawn-out encounter he had with a demon that manifested in his room. Physical manifestations, a wild story. When he got finished, I had one line. I said, there's a lot more power in the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit than that devil. He didn't say amen. He wanted to fight. Literally, he's ready to bow up. His dukes are starting to come on up. Now, I'm from Alabama. So, I thought for a second, and I just said, boom, crossed him right in the jaw. Felt his jaw crack. Said, I'm an evangelist, man. No demon. No, I didn't do that. I didn't cross him. They were looking at me, Pastor Phil, I'm telling you. Pastor Phil was looking at me too, man. He said, oh, it's going south. This was good. It's just I'm calling Greg Headley right now, man. Calling Greg. And so I, I was nervous because he was a lot bigger than me. And I'm thinking he's going to roll me into the home goods. So for 10 minutes. Now, you know, you can exaggerate things, but I'm not exaggerating. Seven, 10 minutes, this guy's going off on me. And I let him finish. And I asked him a question. Have you ever felt the power of God? I asked him the same question I asked the two ladies at the hotel I'm staying when Pastor Ben came to pick me up. I was just about to lay hands on him when he walked in. And so he said, he said, no, I've, I've never felt the power of God. I followed it up with a question. You've got to have at least a, an associate master's degree. I said, would you like to? He said, yeah. I said, can I lay hands on you? He said, yes. Now, he'd just gone off on me for 10 minutes, vilely, violently, and emphatically furious. And now, he said, lay hands on me in the name of Jesus. I put my hand on him. I said, Lord, it was a quick prayer. I said, Lord, I pray the fire of God come on him right now in the name of Jesus. And when he gets back to his truck, excuse me, I said, Lord, I pray... I pray the fire of God would come on him when he gets back to his truck. He looked at me and said, how did you know I had a truck? So like a simple word of knowledge. I said, well, it's just word of knowledge. I left, he leaves. One year later, I'm about to do an outreach. And this girl that would do outreach with us, and she'd gone to Barnes & Noble with me before when I would do this. She said, Joe, I was in a church service about two months ago. And right in the middle of the service, this guy stands up and interrupts the service. And he said, 
I don't know why, but I have got to tell everybody right now how I got saved. He said, I was in Barnes and Noble in the witchcraft section of the bookstore. And this wild-eyed, crazy guy came over to me and started telling me about Jesus. He said, I was ready to knock him out, but he laid hands on me and prayed for me. And when he walked away, the fire of God fell on me. And I got down on my knees and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I've been living for God ever since. The Bible says... In Corinthians 4.18, 2 Corinthians 4.18, do not fix your eyes on what you can see, for it is temporary. But fix your eyes on what you cannot see, for it is eternal. The reason many Holy Spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christians never witness to witches or Muslims or drag queens or crystal methamphetamine-addicted people or psychics or Buddhists is because you fix your eyes on the bondage that you can see rather than the God that you cannot see. We got it backwards. God says, don't fix your eyes on the cancer, on the diabetes, on the atheism, on the crack addiction, on the Islam, satanic worship, or Buddhism. Fix your eyes on what you cannot see because what you can't see has the power to change what you can see. I want to tell you something tonight. Drug addiction is temporary. Alcoholism is temporary. Witchcraft and Buddhism and Islam is temporary. But the kingdom of our God and the blood of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit and the cross, it's never, ever going to lose its power. Drug addiction has an expiration date on the back of it. Islam has an expiration date on the back of it. But the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God of all gods, doesn't, would somebody praise Him right now in this house? Somebody praise Him. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. That's how I live my life. We were, we were, can I share another story? It's going to do it anyway. Pastor said the dude to preach till 10 last night. Go for it, man. It's out front of a bar. We had about 15 of us. We were worshiping Jesus. Singing. There was, we were in front of about eight gay bars. It's a great place to worship. Really? You say, you're out of your mind. I might be out of your mind, but I'm not out of mine. 
We were singing a song, Jesus, I adore you. I lay my life before you. Because if Christ be lifted up. And so we're worshiping, and I'm not looking behind me. Well, there's a drunk dude that doesn't like the tune. And so his fist is bald. He's coming directly for my friend that's next to me. And he's going to side swipe him right in the head. And when he walks over, I'm talking violently, guys. He was a Vietnam veteran. When he picked his foot up and stuck it onto the corner that we were on, the power of God hit him. Nobody was preaching to him. Nobody laid hands on him. Nobody handed him a tract. Nobody was street preaching. We were singing to Jesus. Thy kingdom come. When he began to weep, we turned around. We led him to Christ. I laid hands on him. And when we did, the power of God hit him and knocked him out right in the street. Pow! He gets hit by the power. Falls out. People don't give courtesy drops at midnight in front of the gay bar. Are you listening to me? He's out. He gets back up off the ground. He had a pocket knife in his pocket. This is what he told my friend. Right there in front of me. He just got saved. He said, I've been offended. He said, when I got back from Vietnam, I went to a church. And the pastor said, there's no hope for me. The pastor said, I'm a disgrace to society and to get out of the church. He said, but I met the freeing Jesus tonight. And I'm not angry anymore. He pulls out this knife. He said, I used to stick and hurt people with this knife. He said, but Jesus just set me free. And he handed it to my friend. Listen. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's no violence in heaven. There's no murder in heaven. The kingdom of God collided with the kingdom of hell. And the kingdom of murder, anger, and violence had to bow to the true king that had just showed up. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. As if though God himself were making his appeal through your life. That's who you are. We live far below and beneath the bar and the where God wants us to live. We were out. I'm just, man, I didn't have this plan tonight, but I just feel to go there. We were out, we were out in front of a bar, and my friend was arguing with this guy about Jesus. They're going back and forth and forth and back and back and forth. And I walked over to him. I'm telling you, the night that I got saved... I said, God, if my friends could feel this power that's running through my body, they'd get born again. 20 years later, nothing's changed. I walked over to him. I didn't argue. I didn't, I didn't break down the book of Romans. I said, hey, you ever felt the power of God? He said, no. I said, would you like to? He said, yeah. I said, he's been arguing with this guy. Vehemently. All of a sudden, he lets me lay hands on him. I said, Lord, hit him with the fire now. As soon as I said that, he said, I want to get saved. I led him to Christ. I laid hands on him a second time. I yelled fire again. He doubled over and began to throw up on the sidewalk. He's manifesting demons. 
The bouncers standing there. People are walking back and forth with their martinis. I'm telling you, thousands of people are all around. And we're casting. The, the, the bouncers watching us cast devils out of this guy. We cast demons out of him for a couple minutes. He stands up totally free. I laid hands on him again. I said, Lord, hit him with fire. The third time he doubled over. Nobody's praying in tongues. Nobody's talking about the Holy Spirit. He doubles over and goes, Shaka, bro, ko, bo, bo. Stood back up, looked at me wild-eyed. I said, what are you doing? He said, brother, I have no idea. I thought, well, let's pray fire again. This is, this is working. It's getting the demons out. It's getting him saved. It's getting him baptized in the Spirit. I said, fire again. He doubles over again. I said, you ever done that before? He said, never in my life. He got saved, delivered of demons and baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues in less than five minutes. Why did God do that? Because I'm a good preacher? Because I've gone to Bible school? Because I had a nice shirt on? No. Because I'm available and God wants you to be. I'm going to share another story with you. Then, then I'm going to give you a couple more scriptures. We were, I, was, I was at a Subway restaurant. There was a Buddhist behind the counter. Everybody say Buddhist. I'm there. I don't have 45 minutes. The place is open for business. I just asked her. I said, ma'am, you ever felt the power of God? She said, no. I said, would you like to? She said, yeah. So I took my hand and I laid it on her. I said, Lord, I pray. That you'd hit it with the fire of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You'll never believe what happened next. God is my witness. She handed me my sandwich. And I was turning around and I was leaving. And I got, I got this close to the back door. I'm about to put my hand on it. And she was from me to the, to the, to the doors of the church. And I heard her yelling at me. She said, sir, there's something on me. She yelled it again. I couldn't even get turned around. She said, sir, there's something on me. I don't know what it is. I spun around. I said the name above Islam, Buddhism, and the devil. From here to that door right there, I said, it's Jesus. When I said the name that every knee would bow and every tongue confess, she doubled over under the power of God and began to hyperventilate right in front of everybody, open for business. She was having, she was demon possessed. She was having, she was beginning to manifest devils in front of everybody. And so I'll, I quickly got back over to her and the sandwich making dude, he's tripping out right now. I mean, I want to tell you, this guy is tripping out. The Buddhist lady's manifesting devils. And so, what did you do, Joe? I jumped the counter. I'm starting to jump the counter. The dude says, no, that's against the rules. we got the money back here. But does anybody want ham and cheese, man? This demon's manifesting. I need this guy back here. He's freaking out, you know. So I jumped the counter. We're casting devils out of her. Amen. You ever cast devils out of somebody in public? That's what Jesus did. We're to be disciples of Jesus. We're to walk like him and talk like him and act like him and move like him. She's getting free of demons. She takes her idols off. We lead her to Christ. She's so happy. She's so full of joy. She'd been in America a number of weeks. That was it. Chinese Buddhist for 20 years steeped in Buddhism. One touch. One encounter. 
she denounced her entire life's teaching to follow Christ. She called me eight weeks later. Hey, Joe, Wong Chi here. How was her name? Isn't that a good Chinese name, Wong Chi? She said, I no longer pray to Buddha, only Jesus. She, now listen to this. She said, because two months before I met you, she said, you were in my dream preaching me the gospel. She said, when you came in, I knew it was real. I, I, I was so grateful to God, humbled and honored. I hung up the phone, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me instantaneously. As soon as the call was disconnected, he said, Joe, I'm doing this all over America. He said, I'm doing my job. He said, tell the church to do theirs. He asked me a question. He said, where are the deliverers? Are you listening to me? I want to take a moment and be serious right now. In the Old Testament, salvation looked like this. The people of God were bound in Egypt. They were shackled. They had a totalitarian force above them. They had oppression. They were told what to do. They had no freedom. They were told when to go to bed, when to rise, how much they had to work. They were beaten. They were smite. The women were probably raped and taken advantage of. They had no power, listen to me, to set themselves free whatsoever. God saw fit to encounter Moses. And he called him to be a deliverer. Now imagine this. Moses has got a wife and children. And he's been given the task to go to Egypt and to declare to Pharaoh to let all of his slaves go. How's he thinking that's going to work out? The most powerful dictator on the globe. This Hebrew man that's wanted for murder. That's on the wanted signs is going to show up and tell him what. He said, how am I going to do it? Listen to this. Listen to me. He said, take that staff and throw it on the ground. It became a snake. He said, take your hand and put it in your cloak. It was leprous. He said, put it back in. It was clean. He said, that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in power, Moses. He said, you're going to speak the word and I'm going to move. So Moses shows up. I don't know if this happened, but I'm going to ask Moses when I get to heaven. I'm going to say, Moses, did he try to kill you? Did you leave that part out? Did you leave the part out where there was an assassination attempt at midnight, but the angel of the Lord smote the soldier? I believe that's there, guys. How in the world does Moses go to Pharaoh? That would be like going to Kim Jong-un in North Korea and getting in his face and rebuking him in front of his whole court. How do you think that would go? 
How do you think that would fly? Was Ahmadinejad in Iran? He's telling them, he's telling them. We know the story that the 10th plague, the firstborn's dead. He's had enough. He's been speaking by faith. God's been moving. He said, let him go. This was supernatural. They couldn't free themselves. Think about it. They didn't have an army. They didn't have swords. They didn't have a fighting battalion. They didn't have weaponry. They didn't have generals. They didn't have skill. They were bound. Remember when you were bound and you couldn't do nothing about it? Does anybody remember that state where you were? I remember what it felt like to want to quit doing dope. I couldn't. I remember what it felt like to know that God said sex outside of marriage was sin, but I couldn't stop. You see, people that say, well, I just want to be free, they're bound to the law of sin. They couldn't quit living immoral if they wanted to. They talk about they want to be free. There's no freedom in what they're doing. They're bound by the law of sin. They're shackled. They're in a cell. They need a supernatural activity to get free. Moses marches them out to the Red Sea. And I believe it was as if God said, I'm going to put an exclamation mark on this one. They get to the Red Sea. The people of God look behind them, and here comes Pharaoh. Just think for a minute. Can you hear the sound? Can you hear the sound of the 16-year-old girl, her and her new husband, and their two-month-old? They're about to die. Pharaoh's not going to take any prisoners. He's infuriated. Moses is going to hang. But all of a sudden, God did for them what they could not do. He opened the path of escape. How many of you have walked through that path of escape where you were powerless in your sin and God did for you what you couldn't do for yourself you know Pastor Phil has the education here I don't know I've never thoroughly studied it but I'd have to say the thing that God said more than any in the Old Testament for them to remember was that moment. Over and over, remember, remember, remember. remember. What was he saying? Remember how I saved you. Remember how I set you free. Remember how bound you were. Remember there was no strength that you had to do anything about it. Remember the cell. Remember the door. Remember the dictator. Remember how I opened a way of escape. They walk through that Red Sea. They spun around. The last one gets through. They turn around. And the horse and the rider are dying. The captor is dying. The cell guard is dying. Listen to me. The pornography is dying. The lust problems dying. The lying is dying. The crack addiction is drowning. It cannot come up for air. You've gone over. You've crossed over. And God put an exclamation point at the end of it. And he said, I am the God that saves you. What are you saying, Joe? 
Salvation is supernatural. Everything I shared to you tonight is supernatural. We've dumbed it down into America to an intellectual belief system. Salvation from Old Testament to New is supernatural. Are you listening to me? The Spirit of God was on Moses. And it fell on 70 of them at one point. Lifted off most of them but two. I'm going to go somewhere with this. I'm flowing now. Then Joshua came to Moses and said, Hey, two of them still prophesied. Moses said, Would be to God they all were prophets. Would be to God that the Spirit of God was on everybody. Fast forward to Luke 1. Most theologians believe 400 years of darkness from the Old Testament to Luke. No revelation, no prophecy, no word, silence. Then all of a sudden we see in Luke 141. You don't have to turn there, just listen to me. Don't, don't put it on the screen, just look at me. The Holy Spirit came upon Elizabeth and filled her. And what did she do? She prophesied. What did Moses do when the Spirit was on him? He prophesied. Now, she prophesies to Mary, the Lamb of God is in you. A few verses later, the priest, Zechariah, the Bible says he was filled with the Spirit and he began to prophesy about his son. The next chapter, chapter 2, Simeon, the Bible says the Spirit of God fell upon him and he began to prophesy. When the Spirit comes, he empowers your speech. Many Christians just don't believe it. Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist says, There's one coming after me whose sandals I'm not fit to untie. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I don't have time to get into that. But in Luke chapter 3, the Bible says, As the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized as well. And a voice descended from heaven. This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And a dove descended upon Him in bodily form. The Bible says in Luke 4, 1, that he was led by the Spirit immediately into the desert full of the Holy Spirit. That was the day Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen. He was about to face the greatest temptation that he would ever face. If there was ever a day that we needed the baptism of the Spirit, it's today. You listening to me? If Jesus needed the infilling, the baptism of the Spirit to live a clean life to the very end, how much more do we need it? God knew He was about to face the greatest temptation that He ever faced in His life, and He needed to be filled with the Spirit. Luke 4, 14, He came out in the power of. And then He preaches His first message. Isn't it interesting? Jesus hadn't preached once. No empowered speech. The Messiah, listen to me. No prophetic unction, no boldness, no prophetic word until the Spirit came on him. Even the Messiah needed to be empowered by the Spirit. Many theologians believe that what Jesus was about to read was predetermined by two years. Some believe that. Some believe that Jesus just could have turned to it either way. Out of everything that Jesus could have preached, out of every, he knew it all. But God in his foreknowledge, Isaiah, 
61. He says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's going to give you the why. He's going to break down some theology for you. Because he's anointed me to proclaim. What is even anointed? That's what they did to Old Testaments. He was saying, I'm like Moses, guys. Listen up. They, th- those Jews were picking up on this speech. The only people that were anointed like that was Moses and Elijah and Elisha. Their ears had to have perked up. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to do what? Proclaim. When the Spirit comes, He empowers proclamation, whether you feel it or not. Because He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, for recovery of sight to the blind, to release those in captivity. The Spirit of God comes upon an individual to empower their speech, to bring release, to open the prison doors, to set the captives free, just like God did for Israel in the Old Testament under Moses' word and deed. Listen, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, it wasn't through his divinity, it was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you something. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit of God that's in you right now was in Jesus Christ in in the in the New Test in the in the in the Gospels when He raised Lazarus from the dead. Listen, that same Spirit is in you. It's time to operate in it. I'm telling you, this city needs you to operate in it. Shelby needs you to. Shelby Township needs this church to walk in the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. You pray in tongues. Do you walk in empowered speech and the devil feel it when you walk outside the four walls of this church? That's what God wants. Are you Pentecostal? We can amen and praise God and I'm for it. But do you have empowered speech with the lost until hell breaks off their life and they're sitting in this pew? The prostitute, the drug addict, the the, the meth head, the Muslim, the atheist, the drag queen. That's why we're empowered. Listen, I didn't understand this theology. 1997, April the 27th, I didn't understand that part of the significance of the baptism of the Spirit that came upon me was to empower me to preach. And it's not just because I'm an evangelist. He empowers the witness. Jesus dies on a cross. He's raised from the dead. The disciples flee. He brings them back for a two point. You, th- you think the dude preached long last night. Jesus preached 40 days, two points. He preached on souls in the Holy Ghost. Souls in the Holy Ghost. Souls in the Holy Ghost. We in the South say Holy Ghost. Is that all right? Somebody say Holy Ghost. Yeah, there we go. Holy Ghost. Say, go wait. They wait. Ten days pass. They're all filled. They pray in tongues. Fire falls on all their heads. Peter didn't say, boy, this is a great meeting. Let's go to the print shop and ask everybody to come back tomorrow night at 7 for a repeat experience. They stepped out into the community. People, when they said they're drunk, you know what they were saying? You know why they said it's only nine? 
They were confused. People in that dispensation of time didn't fly off drunk. Those Jews didn't get drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. What they were saying is, it is if they're under the influence of something else. Something is controlling them. They're not in control. They're under the influence. And they shouted out, what is it? What is this? This is when opportunity met preparation. Peter stood up. He knew the word of God. He said, this is that in the last days. He said, I will pour out my spirit. And what does he say? Your sons and daughters will. What is prophecy? Empowered speech. He was giving a theological dispensation. He's saying, what you're watching right now is people empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak. They didn't just pray in tongues because it was some cool thing that God thought would be neat to, to give a precursor and make it different than anything he'd ever done. No, it had a purpose. When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes with a purpose. The first message was empowered so greatly that people of other dialects were hearing the gospel in their own language. If that's not empowered speech and if that's not supernatural, I don't know what is. You know what he was saying? Listen, listen to what he's saying. Your sons and your daughters. He was saying even women can be prophets. And I'm saying that as glory to God. He was your first women's lib guy. It's 2,000 years old. (laughs) He said, and your sons are going to see visions. Who saw visions? Prophets. Nobody else. What he was saying was, just like the Spirit fell on Moses and Elijah and Elisha and Samuel, there's a shift taking place. It's going to come on everybody. Remember when it came on Jesus? It was on one. It wasn't on all of them. They would go in as authority, but it wasn't cloaked. They weren't smeared. They weren't filled with. There was a shift. There was a new era. He was saying it was on Jesus, and now it's on all of us. It's available for everybody. He said, even on the male and the female slaves. In that honor-based society, this was counterculture. This was this went against their intuition. This was an antithesis to everything that they ever believed. He was saying, the God of gods, they couldn't imagine Caesar Augustus putting his robe on a slave, empowering a slave to speak for him. This is mind-boggling. He's saying the God of gods is so an antithesis to this culture. He'll put his glory on the jail cell. And they'll speak for God. Just like Moses did. Empowered. The prayer of Moses was answered from Numbers 11. Would be to God. They all were prophets. Now they all were. Woo! That's what you are. You're a prophet. You're a prophethood of believers.
Does that make anybody say hallelujah? If you caught this, you'd shake Shelby. I said, if you caught this, you'd shake Shelby Township. Listen, listen. I love this part. Acts. The Bible says word and deed. Jesus didn't just move in word. He moved in deed. Peter. Acts 3. Word and deed. The guy gets out of a wheelchair. Acts 5. Word and deed. Slip over to Acts 7. What's it say? He was mighty in word and moved in great signs and wonders. Stephen. Word and and deed. Slip over to Philip in Acts 8. He preached the word. All the Samaritans got saved and they all got out of their wheelchair. Word and deed. Acts chapter 10. Peter shows up empowered by the Holy Ghost. Preaches the gospel. They all get born again and they all were filled with the Spirit and began to praise God and pray in tongues. They were all, now even the Gentiles are empowered. This thing is breaking out. Paul, word and deed. Preach the word, cast out devils, raise the dead and heal the sick. That's what you're called to do, ladies and gentlemen. I've come here to tell you tonight that you are the deliverer for Shelby. That you are the one to bring the word and the deeds of God to Detroit, Michigan. You are the one to touch Rochester and Flint and Pontiac and Auburn Hills. You are the one. What I'm preaching to you is Pentecost. Are you Pentecostal? In the name of Jesus Christ then. Do not use the Holy Spirit just to have a river party or to feel good or to have a nice euphoric touch. Would you stand up under the inspiration of Almighty God and prophesy life into dead people at the Circle K and at Subway and at the mall and at your workplace. They may call you drunk, they may mock you, and they may jeer you, but you are the deliverer. God says, where are they? It's a company of Moses and Elijah and Samuel and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to heal the sick, to deliver those that are bound, to save the lost, that the drug addict would come home, that the homosexual would get set free. I'm talking about the del This is the gospel. anymore come Holy Ghost empower us don't sit down Kata 
Brodon. This is not to hype you. This girl right here in the black. Come here. Come here. Come here. Stand here. Come on. Just lift your hands. Just lift your hands to God. You're a nice lady. You're not just a nice lady. You're called to be empowered by the Holy Ghost. Like Moses was when the Red Sea split. Like Elijah was when he called down fire at the altar. Like Elisha was when he took care of that demonic woman Jezebel. In the name of Jesus Christ, you're not called to be a nice lady that doesn't use profanity. You're called to be empowered by the Holy Ghost to preach the gospel. In Jesus' name. Come here. Is this your wife? Stand behind her. Fire! Come on you now. I'm a flow a minute. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm asking God to do the gospel tonight. If you heal, if you need healing, to be healed. If you need to get delivered from something, you'll get delivered. If you need to get saved, to get saved. In the next, just lift your hands, ma'am. Stop the clapping. Stop the clapping. Seek the Lord. This ain't a show. I'm not mad. I know I get abrasive and serious. I'm cool. I'm good. Is anybody hungry? What I'm praying is God empower you to go preach. Are you hungry for that? I'm telling you, we're going to pray for that for impartation. And then we're going to pray for the sick. Come here. Yeah, somebody's hungry. Lift your hands. Can I have somebody to flow with me up here? Come on. In the name of whatever you walked up here.